so much and have been looking forward to this day. I do want to tell you that at the movies last month was a big, big hit, and we saw God do some very amazing things. Many people made fresh starts and surrendered their lives to Jesus, so we want to celebrate that. The only downside of all of it was we took a little bit of a hiatus from our online experience simply because all the materials that we were showing, those movie clips, they're copyright protected and airing them here on YouTube and Facebook would cause us some potential problems. So I hope that you were able to get through this last month, but here we are together again and I'm fired up about it because it's the month of August, which means one thing here at Waterview, it's time for spiritual renewal. And you're going to hear a lot about that over these next few weeks. We are dedicating the month of August to seeking and serving. We're going to be seeking God. We're going to be praying and fasting, devotionals. We're going to be listening to worship. We're going to be trying to get into His presence to position ourselves for all that God has for us this fall. I'm believing that this fall is going to be special. I believe we're going to see growth and breakthrough and so many good things. So I want to encourage you to be a part of the seeking. And we're also going to be serving because this whole faith adventure is about loving God and loving others. So while we're seeking closeness with God... We're going to be serving others, the people around us. We have different serve initiatives. In fact, there's a big one coming up at our in-person gathering on Sunday, August the 21st, and that's a blood drive. And I pray that if you live here in the Charlotte Lake Norman area, that you'll come out and you'll give the gift of life, that you will help somebody in need. God's blessed you abundantly, and just like all that God blesses us with, whether it's money or talent or blood, we are meant to be a blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing. So today we're starting a brand new series, and I have been looking so forward to this series, praying about it, preparing for it, and we're going to dive in right now. So grab your Bibles if you have the Waterview app, open up the online worship guide, and we're reading today from Ephesians chapter number four, and this is what it says, no longer be like children forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone has told us something different or has cleverly lied to us and made the lie sound like the truth. Instead, we will lovingly follow the truth at all times. And I want that just to just sit there for a moment. Let that rest in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit. Instead, we are going to lovingly follow the truth at all times, speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly, and so become more and more in every way like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. So we're kicking off TikTok theology today with this message, can you handle the truth? That's what Paul's writing about here in Ephesians. It's all about truth. Can you handle the truth? And we're starting this series today called TikTok theology because it's very obvious that our world our culture, specifically the American culture, this generation, the one that I'm a part of, the one that you're a part of, and the next generation, they are all, we are all under the influence. We're under the influence of our social media feed. We're under the influence of our news feed, and they are shaping our values. Now, media has always played a role in this ever since the invention of 
print-based media, television-driven media. Media has been more than just trying to entertain us. It has been trying to persuade us. That's why we have advertising. That's why we have marketing. It's the job of media. But now we are seeing an increase of the effects of that because people all over the world are carrying these phones in their pockets. Phones are available to everyone. In fact, it's amazing to me how I can visit a third world country and there will be places where people are barely surviving, living in unimaginable surroundings and barely eating, but yet they'll have a cell phone. There is media everywhere. Everyone has access to media. The world is more connected because of the internet and other things than ever before. And our media, our social media, our news feed, all of the media, it is shaping our values. It is affecting our outlook and our perspective. It is heavily influencing our opinions and our worldviews. And it is even forming and establishing our theology. Now that word theology has great relevance to your life, even though you may not be in seminary or call yourself a reverend. In fact, we think of that word theology in that context, that theology is this kind of intimidating, fearsome word just for people who like to to study God things in an academic environment. But really the word theology means what we think about when we think about God. The word theology is the combination of two Greek words, theos, which means God, and logos, which means thought. So when we're talking today about theology and how our theology is being informed, formed, and influenced, what we're saying is our God thoughts. Our God thoughts are being affected. Every single one of us, even you, we have a theology. We have a certain way that we think about God. We have God thoughts. And what you think about God is a really big deal because it shapes how you live your life. The first thing that you need to remember, the big idea that I want to start this off with is belief determines behavior. Belief determines behavior. In fact, when you are trying to get to work, if you're going down a certain stretch of road where you believe there's going to be law enforcement sitting there, waiting there, you are probably not going to exceed the speed limit because belief determines behavior. And so it is when it comes to our God thoughts, what we think about God. If you see God as a present help, if you see God as part of every part of your life, the creator, the one who has your best interest in mind, the one who loves you, the one who wants to give you hope and healing, deliverance, the one who's trying to transform you, the one who's trying to develop you and mature you, then that's going to shape how you do life. The other, the other hand is also true if you view God as distant, if you view him as not involved or relevant, if you even view God as there to serve you, existing to basically be at your beck and call, then that's going to shape how you do life. 
a theologian by the name of A.W. Tozer, he made this very profound statement. He said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. You maybe probably never thought of that before, but what we think about God is the most important thing about us. So my heart as a pastor and the reason that I have been praying and seeking God about this series and why I feel this so strongly on my heart, my concern for all of the people who are part of Waterview, connected to Waterview, who will one day be a part of our family, those who are not yet Christians, those who are new Christians, even those who maybe have for years been claiming Christ, declaring that they're a Christian. My concern is that if we are letting media, social media, news media, etc., if we're letting media, if those are the things that are informing us the most, influencing us the most, then we're going to end up not looking like, sounding like, or living like the one that we have said that we're here to follow. In other words, we're getting our God thoughts from things that are not godly. Now, I'd love to do just a quick little poll here today as far as the kind of social media that you prefer. I'll, I'll be honest, we're calling this TikTok theology, but I, I don't have TikTok. It's kind of come along more recently, and I was already into Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and I've just never you know, taking the jump to get too much into TikTok, too much into Snapchat. But I'd love to hear from you at our in-person gatherings. We did kind of an impromptu poll to see where everyone was coming from and just would love to hear in the comments where you spend most of your time on social media. Do we have any Facebook people? Come on, Facebook people, drop something in the comments below. All of our Instagram people, come on, drop something in the comments. We got any TikTok or Snapchat people, come on, put it in the comments below. I'll be honest with you, Instagram, when I have time to be on social media, Instagram's kind of like my go-to. I love seeing your lives. I like seeing your babies. I, I love all the cute pictures you're putting of your kids excelling at sports and accomplishing significant things. I love it when I get to share my boys with all of you and you like it and you have a, an encouraging comment to say. I, I love seeing your kids. I, I like seeing your good times that you're having on vacation. In fact, I really, really love seeing that you're having the best time ever when I'm working one of my multiple jobs, and of course, no jealousy at all, I, I promise, no, no covetousness there, but, but seriously, I really do, I, lo I love the beach pics, I, I love the mountain pics, I love seeing your life and what you're doing, and in addition to that, all the food porn, all the good meals you're eating, wait a minute, am I even allowed to say food porn while I'm preaching, but I think you get the idea, it's pictures of plates of food, delicious things that we're eating, and love to see all of that. Of course, I'm excited about college football starting up here in about a month, and so I'm on Instagram seeing what I can learn and find out about my Ohio State Buckeyes. Let's go Buckeyes. I love Instagram, and, and all of you, you've got your chosen format, the thing that you're drawn to the most, 
And what I want to share with you today and what I hope that you'll realize is that our big picture thinking, our big picture thinking, you maybe have never thought about this before, but our big picture thinking is being influenced by that small picture device in your pocket. Do you know that some recent studies have shown that the average person spends two hours per day on social media? Another study showed that the average person checks their phone for notifications 344 times a day. And no doubt you probably know an overachiever, maybe you're engaging with us today, sitting beside an overachiever who are just crushing these statistics, doing that and then times three or four. Shout out to all of our overachievers and we know people, we ourselves are guilty of being so heavily influenced and involved with social media. It has become a part of our life. Let's be honest, when we're done with this here today, we're going to surf on into other aspects of social media. In fact, social media is pretty cool because we're together right now. You're learning about God you're strengthening your faith, you're making moves in the direction of, of all things that are about faith and heaven because of social media. It's the platform that gives us this opportunity. But as we get into whatever we're into, whether it's Instagram or TikTok, Facebook, videos are being made, opinions are being shared, our social media, hear me today, our social media is a charcuterie board of values and ideologies, unending entertainment by which we distract ourselves. There are self-proclaimed experts and their professed wisdom. There's this, this unceasing cultivation of image and identity management. Of course, there is the poison of popular culture. And then there is the never-ending drip of the drug that we cannot get enough of, and that is ourselves. What we like and what makes us happy and what sounds good to us and what we agree with and getting likes and follows and shares and all of those things. So what's that doing is we're getting all of our God thoughts, we're getting all of our information we're getting everything else that really matters from poor sources. We're drinking from polluted wells. We're being inundated with subtle toxicity that is destroying us. And just because it's on someone's real doesn't make it real. Here's something else that I want to leave with you, some food for thought, pun intended. We are feasting on information, but we are starving for truth. We're starving for truth. And since our theology, our God thoughts are the most important things about us and because belief determines behavior, I think the greatest danger we face with TikTok theology and this whole phenomenon of how we are under such a major influence of news and social media is something called relativism. And relativism, if we would just boil it down, simply means that there are no absolute truths. You know, we started today reading a powerful passage about truth. 
and we pose the question, which we're building this time together around, can you handle the truth? Truth is so important. But with relativism, there are no absolute truths. The, the prevailing thought and feeling in our culture, in this world, is you believe what you believe, and I'll believe what I believe, and we are both right. But you and I kind of know at our core that's so illogical because we live in a world full of absolutes. For example, when you go to the pharmacy and you give them a prescription, you are thankful for absolutes because the pharmacist doesn't take your prescription that has to do with your back and say, you know what, I, I, I don't have anything for, for your back, but I do have something for your blood pressure and medicines, medicine. And so, you know, they're not really the same thing, but they're both medicine. So really it's all the same thing. Go ahead and take it and good luck. We hope to see you again. Or when you're getting on an airplane, you're trying to fly somewhere Aren't you thankful that the pilots in the cockpit aren't saying, okay, I'm going to fly it like this today, and I'm going to fly it like this today, and it doesn't really matter that uh, we've got different viewpoints on it. We're just going to fly this thing. No, there are absolutes, absolutes in aviation, absolutes in thermodynamics and other, and other science that requires certain things to be done a certain way. Truth is good. Truth is helpful. Truth is beneficial. In fact, Jesus says in John chapter number eight, he says, when you continue to embrace all that I teach, you prove that you are my true followers. For if you embrace the truth, and look at that, that's so key. If you embrace the truth, it will release true freedom into your lives. So truth brings freedom, but our culture, what, what we are being told, what is shaping us, influencing us, molding us, our culture says, no, tolerance is more important than truth. You've got to choose tolerance over truth. And this has become so embedded in our culture and in the way that we do things so much so that if you are truthful, if you cling to truth, if you espouse truth, then you are considered intolerant. And tolerance, maybe a couple of decades ago, used to mean that we could disagree, that if we had an opposing opinion, we could disagree, but we're still polite to one another we're still honoring with one another because we're honoring the other as someone that's made in the image of God, someone that is an image bearer of God. There was disagreement, but yet still respect and, and an inclination to at least hear the other out. But now tolerance is all thoughts are equally valid. There are no truths. It just depends on your point of view. And if the truth opposes my view, I can cut you off because you are so close-minded and intolerant. And this is current American culture, and I'm sure you've seen it. You've come face-to-face -face with it. But here is what's interesting. The, the famous Greek philosopher Aristotle, he made this profound statement. He said, tolerance and apathy are the last virtues of a dying society. 
Jesus says that if we have truth, that it's going to give freedom. And Paul wrote in Ephesians that if we have, have truth, that it's going to make us alive. It's going to make us like Jesus. It's going to be a blessing. But the world says, no, tolerance, tolerance, tolerance. But tolerance and apathy are the last virtues of a dying society. And the reason that we are doing this series and taking time to talk about this and to warn people about this is because I feel very, very strongly to, to just make our church aware that if you sleep with culture, if you sleep with the prevailing culture of our world, you are running the risk of contracting STDs, spiritually transmitted diseases. Guys, what we're talking about today is no small thing. It's no laughing matter. It's no joke. It's not even a conspiracy theory. We've got to be careful as to what we are bringing into our lives, into our minds, into our hearts, into our homes, into our children, because it can infect us. It can destroy us. So let me tell you this. Truth, since we're talking about truth, let me just say what it's not. Truth is not what you feel. Truth isn't what you feel. Now, feelings are valid. I mean, we're, we are emotional creatures. We're going to feel things. Feelings are valid, but they're not right. Feelings are not always right. You yourself know this. You will, in one moment, deep down in your feels, just feeling something so strongly, and then the next day, maybe after you've had a good meal or you've had a good night's sleep, you're going to feel something totally and completely different. Feelings are valid, but they're not always right. In fact, why don't you try this? If you don't agree, when your teacher brings you the test with that C on it, tell your teacher, say, you know what? I really feel like I should have gotten a better grade. Like, just really, my, my feelings tell me that I need a better grade. Or tell your boss, you know, I, I'm feeling like I need to make forty more thousand dollars a year like it just feels right it feels good or let's say that you go down that road on the way to work and you choose even though you believe the law enforcement is going to be there you choose to exceed the speed limit and when you're given your ticket just tell them say you know what i don't feel like i deserve this ticket i feel like i need a pass i, I feel like tickets are bad and it's not something that i need in my my life right now Truth is not what you feel. Things come and go. Feelings, emotions, they happen and then they pass. Truth also is not what culture decides. Truth is not what culture decides. Culture is trying to declare what is truth, what is life, what is identity, what is important, what matters, and Truth is not what culture decides. Just because something is politically correct doesn't make it biblically correct. In fact, let's look at what the Bible has to say about culture. Romans 12 and verse number 2 says, Stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Now, if culture and its opinions and values and outlooks, if it was good and if it was right, why would we need inward transformation? Why would we need total reformation? 
Paul continues, this is going to empower you when you stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture and you're transformed and reformed. This is going to empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Another thing about truth, it is not circumstantial. Truth doesn't change. Truth doesn't evolve. God defined truth. Look at what we shared in the beginning. Paul says in Ephesians, no longer be like children, forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone has told us something different or has cleverly lied to us and made the lie sound like the truth. Instead, we're going to lovingly follow the truth at all times, speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly, and so become more and more in every way like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. So now you may be sitting there wondering, well, how do I know what is truth? Since there's this charcuterie board, there's so many options, there's so many things being espoused and shared. How do I know the truth? And the answer is really very simple. The way that you know the truth is getting to know the one that is truth. You've got to come into a personal relationship where you are listening to, following after, and obeying Jesus Christ. Because this is maybe the biggest idea of all that we're going to share here today. Truth is a person. Truth is a person. That is how you know the truth. You've got to get to know the one that is truth. And I don't mean go into a building that's called a church and sit there and leave and not let it have any impact on your everyday life. I'm not talking about your knowledge of Jesus as a historical figure. I'm not even talking about maybe some of the good that was put in you when you were a kid by an aunt, a grandma, a parent. I'm talking about getting to know the one that is truth, like actually walking with them, talking with them, building your life for and around him. Truth is a person. Jesus says in John 14, I am the way, I am the truth. Not one truth, a truth, my truth. Jesus says, I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through union with me. To know me is to know my Father too. And from now on, you're going to realize that you have seen him and experienced him. And then again, Jesus in John 18 says this, Actually, and now somebody, he's having a conversation with someone. In fact, they said to him, hey, you're here, aren't you? Because you're a king, right? And, and Jesus kind of like is like, no, uh, 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 don't get it twisted. Hey, hey, stop right there. Don't you be telling me about who I am and what I'm about. And I think that we got to get that way with the world. We've got to start telling the world, don't you tell me who I am and what I'm about. We're not going to let the world tell us about our identity. Identity is not decided. Identity is something that is given to us by God. And Jesus says, no, 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 don't get it twisted. You are not going to influence what I believe and what I'm about, who I am. Actually, John 18, 37, actually, I was born. In fact, some of you, some of us, we've got these different ideas about Jesus but let's let Jesus stand on his own two feet with his own words. Jesus says, I was born and I came into the world to testify to the truth. 
all who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. So Jesus declares emphatically that he was truth, that he had come to speak truth, to be truth. And this is so good because when we embrace truth, when we build our lives around truth, the next thing you need to know is that truth makes you strong. Truth makes you strong. Truth is what gives each and every one of us lasting power because it's an anchor. Truth doesn't change. Truth doesn't evolve. Truth is truth. Your life is not going to shift and slide as things change around you, as the world evolves. No, you're strong because your foundation is truth. Jesus says in Matthew 7, he says, Not all who sound religious are really godly people. They may refer to me as Lord, but they're still not going to get into heaven. For the decisive question is whether they obey my Father in heaven. The decisive question, the line in the sand, the separating factor is do we obey and do we follow the truth? And all who listen, this is what Jesus says. We're talking about how truth makes us strong. Jesus says, all who listen to my instructions, all who listen to truth and follow them are wise like a man who builds his house on solid rock. And then truth makes you bold. Truth makes you bold. You know, when you have the truth, it it gives you the ability to be courageous. And how can you be courageous? Well, because when you have truth, it gives you confidence. Now, confidence and confidence are two different things. Confidence is this kind of resting on, believing in, trusting in our own innate and inherent strength and ability. Godfidence is putting all of that on him. I'm trusting in, relying on his inherent power and ability and grace. And so when you have truth, it makes you bold. It gives you confidence, and you can be attacked. You can be ridiculed. You can be scorned. You could be ostracized, but you can still have boldness because you know you have truth. And since Jesus is truth, you are on the side of God. You can be bold when you know that God is on your side. But I do want to remind you that since truth is a person, since Jesus ultimately is the fullness of truth, the Bible says this, that Jesus came into the world full of grace and truth. That means that truth is 100% truth and 100% grace, meaning that truth is not supposed to be used as a weapon. And I've seen that. I've seen people who called themselves Christians, who identified with Jesus, but who thought that truth was meant to be a sword, a way to debate people, to burn and roast people, to put people in their place. But listen, truth is not a weapon. In fact, the Bible says this about the Word of God, about truth, that it's it's sharper, it's more powerful than any two-edged sword. And do you know that truth is super sharp? It's like a scalpel. And a scalpel in the right hands can cause healing and can give a future with hope. It can turn things around. It can change things. But if you put a meat cleaver in the wrong hands, or really in any hands at all, it's going to, to wreak damage. 
And so the truth that we have, it is not meant to fight with people. It's not meant to burn and to, and to be rude and ugly to people. In fact, know this, boldness doesn't mean rudeness. You can be full of truth and be kind and honoring and respectful. And Christians, those of you Christians that are on social media, those of you Christians that are super into politics, hey, let's remember that. Let's remember that boldness doesn't mean rudeness. Can we represent truth? Can we represent Jesus in the way that he represented himself, full of grace and full of truth? And then the last thing that I want to share with you is this. Truth makes you contagious. Look, the world is hungry. It's searching. It's longing for truth. I believe deep down inside, the world does not like this uncertainty of relativism, that you're right, I'm right. Deep down, we all know that's not cool people and the end are going to be drawn like a magnet to truth. And truth is going to make you contagious. First John chapter 1, verse number 1 says, We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we've heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes, touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was revealed to us. And we proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. Notice what they're saying. We have an experience with truth. We have the truth. We've touched truth. We possess truth. And now we are proclaiming it to you so that you can have fellowship with us, so you can be a part of it because truth makes you contagious. We're writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. As we wrap up here today, I think the ultimate question is this. What is going to be your final authority on the things that make up the core of who you are? What is going to be the basis of our beliefs and the basis of our behaviors? Is it going to be trends or is it going to be truth? Is it going to be the world or is it going to be the word? I want to, as we wrap up today, I want to give you a challenge. I want you to go out of here and I want you to immerse yourself in, in something. I don't want to call it homework because way too many of us have PTSD and I want you to actually do this. Here's the challenge. I want you to identify three lies. I want you to identify three lies that you are believing Three lies that your feed is feeding you. Three things that you're believing about God. Three things that's influencing what, what you believe uh, uh, about your relationship with Him, about things in the world, about things that you're doing, the way that you are proclaiming Him, demonstrating Him. I want you to think about three lies that your feed is feeding you, that you're getting from social media. And then... I want you to find the scriptures that combats those lies. Simple. The challenge is identify three ways that you're being deceived right now from social media, from news media, and then find the scriptures that combat those lies. And then I want you to pray for revelation. You've got to pray for two things. Revelation, because your eyes need to get opened to the deception. We need a spirit of revelation to come from Jesus 
to come into our hearts, to help us to see, to open our eyes so that we can see. I've been thinking this way, but it's wrong. I believe this way, but it's wrong. And I want you to pray for revelation, your eyes to get open. And then I want you to pray for determination, the determination to actually get into God's word and to discover God's truth, to discover the truth. And not just to read the truth or to know the truth, but to do it. You know, James, one of the apostles, he writes and says, look, if we just read God's word, if we read truth and then do nothing about it, it's like we have walked up to a mirror and have discovered that there's broccoli in our teeth and then walk away without eliminating the broccoli. Hey, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get the broccoli out of our teeth. We're trying to get the toxic out of our life. And we're trying to open up so that we can receive the blessings and the goodness, the unbridled joy that comes from serving Jesus, the, the, the unbridled reward and blessing that comes from following Him and loving, serving others, the life of generosity, all of the things that it means to be a true follower of Jesus. That's what we're after. So I'm going to pray for you today. Two prayers. Number one, I want to pray for those of you that need that revelation. We're going to pray right now for the revelation and the determination to do this challenge. And then secondly, I'm going to pray for those of you who need to get to know the one who's truth. And I think that there are some people today engaging with us who you have talked about Jesus, you've learned about Jesus. Once in a while, when you actually go to church, you might in a moment think about Jesus, but you realize Jesus is not the totality of your life. He does not full, he does not fill the breadth and and landscape of your life. And you realize that maybe you've drifted from him and you're not where you need to be and you need to get to know him. You need today to surrender to him and make a fresh start and determine you're coming near to him. I'm going to pray for those of you as well. So will you bow your heads with me if you can? If you're driving, keep your eyes open, please. But if you're somewhere where you can close your eyes and block out distractions and just give God your undivided attention, I want you to do that right now. Come on, pray with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you today for your word. I thank you for truth in our life. I thank you, God, that you are trying to do good things. I thank you that you're trying to deliver us, restore us, redeem us, heal us, give us hope. God, lead us and guide us into all truth. And so I pray today for a spirit of revelation to come to us. And I pray, God, that this week that you would help us to see how we are believing lies, the lies that are being told to us through our newsfeed. I pray that you would help us to see how we are under the influence of anything and everything that is not of you and that, God, you would give us the determination to discover truth, to let those other beliefs go, and to walk in the truth that you have given. And I also pray today for each and every person who need God to come near to you, whether it's for the first time or the first time in a long time. I pray, God, that we would surrender our hearts and lives to you. Help us to see that you're not just someone or something to learn about or to have nice affections towards that you're, you're meant to be known, that we're meant to have a relationship with you, an encounter, an experience with you where 
you feel every part of our life, every part of our life belongs to you. Today, God, we make the decision to say yes to you, Jesus. We want, we want to say yes to all that you have for our life. We're not going to hold anything back. Jesus, we bow our knee to you. You will be the Lord and the leader of our life. Forgive us of our sins. Make us a brand new person. Teach us your words. Show us your ways. And Lord, we're going to follow you the rest of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen.